0: The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. I'm going to try using a chair this morning. I'm a little tired getting up early. You did get this chair fixed, right? Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. Clary, where are you? Is this working? Did, y- did y'all get that fixed? Sure. <laughs> Ham? Oh, yeah. Y'all got it fixed? All right. You should have that I should have faith. Well, speaking of that, that's a lot of promises that this is going to hold me. This chair was broken back here. You know, this is one of those cheap ones where you have to put it together yourself. And so, if we put it together, you know how it is. So, I'm going to sit on this, and if I go down, it's on you, my man. All right, let's see if it holds me up. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, that holds me up. The writer of Hebrews has been saying, that if you believe the Word of God about things you can't see, about things that you don't know, other than the fact that God has revealed them to you in His Word, if you truly believe that He is good and honest and tells the truth and trustworthy, then you can put your life in His hands. You can sit on His promises. You can stand on His promises and this is just a silly example of whether I believe them or not would affect, affect drastically what I do. If I didn't trust these guys, which I trust most of them, most of them I trust, some of them I wouldn't sure if he'd pull a prank on me in front of everybody, but if I believe what they say is true, if I think that they followed through with what they said they would do, then I'm going to sit in the chair and it's going to hold me and it's going to keep me safe and, and I will have been proven right for trusting them and knowing that they were trustworthy. The writer of Hebrews has been saying that the entire life of faith is a life built on unseen things that have been revealed through the scriptures that you wouldn't know otherwise. Everything that we see in the word of God is requiring us courageous steps of faith. And some of us say, well, I'm not very courageous. I'm not doing anything. The fact that you're here, you have taken a step of faith that you believe there's a God who exists, that you're here to learn about him and read his words, that that you open the scriptures. It says that you have a level of faith that this is God's word and it has a word for you. He wants to teach you and train you and and it makes a difference in your life. The the book of Hebrews is broken into basically two sections. It's a little bit oversimplification, but basically you have two sections in the book of Hebrews. You have the first section, which is very technical and very theological, where the writer of Hebrews is explaining why Jesus did what he did and the meaning of it. What what does it mean that Jesus came and died on the cross? And the way he's explained that has been by pointing us to the Old Testament where we see a record of God giving Israel priests and sacrifices And and this system, we call it the Old Covenant. In that system, God provided a means for sinful Israel to enjoy the glory of God in their midst. And the way that was accomplished was that God provided a certain priesthood of men who could go and intercede between God and man and offer the blood of sacrifices of, of lambs. And so they would offer that blood on behalf of the people, and it provided a temporary covering or a temporary protection of the people so that God could be in their midst the way it was in the garden where God was in the midst of his people before sin entered the world. And so we see that the writer of Hebrews has taught us that all of that was a picture of Jesus. Jesus, the God-man, was the great high priest, who offered his own blood on the cross as the sacrifice, as the covering for sin. And whoever puts their faith in God's word about that blood can enjoy the presence of the glory of God, will be restored. Not fully now, but one day when he comes back or when we meet him as we transfer to him through death, all the God's promises will be fulfilled. And so what he's been teaching us is, by faith... We take God's word about the blood of Jesus. And when we put our faith in, on Jesus' blood, he makes us righteous immediately so we can be reconciled to God. And so the whole lifestyle of faith is one of taking God at his word. And so the second part of the book of Hebrews has been a lot more practical. Beginning in chapter, the last part of 10 and into chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews has been saying it's not just a cognitive assent to a set of facts. He's saying that if you buy into this Jesus thing, that Jesus makes you righteous, he's not just this little category of many categories in your life. You've got work, you've got school, you've got kids, you've got hobbies, and then you've got Jesus. He says that's not how it works. He says if you buy into this, Jesus and the gospel becomes everything. And then everything else becomes a category in Jesus and the gospel you embrace the fullness of this the counsel of God's word all of the unseen realities that are revealed that Christ Makes a difference in everything And so he's been showing us that this should radically make a difference in our life in fact I just think how different we would be if we fully believed, and that's what that's what that's what the final destination is where we don't live by faith anymore where All of that becomes real. We believe perfectly everything. And so God's will is fully accomplished in us. In in the text today, we're going to see he talks about Moses. And he talks about this amazing, courageous life that he lived simply because he believed God. He took God at his word. He believed that he exists. He believed that he was a, a rewarder of those who seek him. So he walked with God. And for Moses... His particular calling, his particular journey of walking with God was amazing. But don't think for a second the fact that God hasn't called you to be the next Moses, that this doesn't apply to you. We're going to see it absolutely does apply to each one of us. But So we're going to look at three courageous acts that took place in Moses' life, and we're going to be praying that God would make us courageous men and women of faith. The first courageous act we see is an act is, is in uh, Hebrews 11, chapter 23, Hebrews 11:23, and this is where we see Moses' parents disobey the king. It says, "By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict." Now, this is recorded in the book of Exodus, chapters 1 and 2. So, we, as we've seen all along, the writer of Hebrews has been flipping through his Old Testament, the same Old Testament you have. So, turn to chapter uh, 1 of Exodus. He's finished up with Genesis. Now, he's in Exodus. He's reading through, and he says, Moses, man, what a life of faith. And it begins with his birth. In Exodus 1 and 2, we see the story continues straight out of Genesis. What was the promise in Genesis 12? God said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. I'm going to multiply your seed into a mighty nation. And they said, we can't even have kids. God said, I got this. And they said, all right. They believed. God gave them children. Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had uh, Joseph. Joseph. Had the twelve children, Joseph's family, or Jacob's name was Israel, Jacob had twelve children. And so this people become a nation of people. God has promised to do this, and it's happening. And we see Exodus pick up right where we left off. Exodus 1 7. But the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. God was honoring his promises, and he he made the family of Abraham or the children of Israel they were all by ethnicity they were Hebrews all those are the same people they're multiplying and filling the land of Egypt so much so that Pharaoh the ruler is saying man this is dangerous this is not good because they can have a coup they can take over and so he begins to try to oppress them and try to squash them so they won't be so fruitful and keep multiplying and so he says uh, he gives them terrible slave labor trying to wear them out that doesn't work. So then he tells the midwives, those who were there when the babies were born, he said, listen, just kind of a little quiet side deal. He says, listen, when you see it's a boy, you need to kill the boy. We've got to slow down the growth of this people. Well, that didn't work either because we read in Exodus 1.17, but the midwives feared God. And they did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but they let the boys live. that didn't work so pharaoh says all right fine so he makes a national law he makes an edict in exodus 122 and he says every son who is born you are to cast him into the nile and every daughter you are to keep alive so he's made it the law of the land that all the hebrew boys must be thrown into the nile river this man is scared of the hebrews He has nothing to be afraid of. But God is continuing to be faithful through all this amazing journey. And this is the context in which Moses is born. And that's where we come into the story of in Exodus 2, 1 through 4. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket, covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Imagine being this mother. You have this child. Maybe you were pregnant when the edict came out. All Hebrew boys must be thrown into the Nile. And you've bonded with this baby, and here you are facing this. What do you do? So she does the thing that she only knows, the only thing she could think of. Well, I'm going to hide him. So she hides him in the house for three months, and then it gets to the point where I can't hide him any longer. So she's praying, Lord... Lord, I know it's not your will. No, you don't want me to throw this child into the river, but what do I do? And so all she does, you can see this great act of faith. She builds this, the same description, she builds this ark of salvation for the child, places him in the ark, sets him in the river, and don't you know, she just prayed, Lord, he's in your hands. All I can do is put him in your hands, and I just pray, Lord, that you will be faithful. And so as we see in the scriptures, the sister of Moses is on the banks of the shore, watching to see what happens. And what do we know happens? Just happened to be Pharaoh's daughter comes walking up and sees the baby in the water. Now the Bible tells us to obey our authorities. All of us have authorities in our life, whether it's a boss, whether it's a government authority, Scripture says even the worst of governments is a gift from God because it's, it's a source of authority. It's a blessing. It's better than complete anarchy. And so God has blessed all of us with authorities in our life. And he says you are to submit and follow those authorities until they tell you to disobey God. And so that's where Moses' mother is. She's at a point where God has said, clearly, we don't throw our kids into the river. The authority is saying, do this. What do you do? Now, I'm sure she knew that if she got caught, not only would she lose her child, but she would lose her own life. The whole family would probably be killed. And so she has a terrible crossroads. All she can do is pray and seek the Lord. And ultimately, she knows, I must Trust the Lord. I must obey the Lord. So let me ask you something. Imagine your boss comes to you and says, Listen, don't you dare tell the client the mistake we made. If you do, we'll be fired. Or maybe you're a school teacher. Don't you dare tell the parents of this child how we got it wrong. If you do, you're fired. You're at a crossroads. The question is, you claiming to trust Jesus, does it make any difference in your life in that situation? How are you going to do the right thing? How are you going to take the step of saying, I may lose my job. I may have tremendous costs for obeying the Lord in this situation. The only way you're going to do that is by faith. And what is faith? Is it just saying, well, I I have faith that Jesus saved me. It certainly begins with that, but it's a much more robust faith. It's an understanding that God is faithful. And what God said is true. And what God promised you, you can take it to the bank. It will be true and right and faithful and good. he is a rewarder of those who seek him and those who walk with him. And the blessings of walking with him far outweigh the losses that you may face in this life for following him in obedience. That's what Moses' mother understood. They understood to follow him may cost us everything, but he is worth it. The only way you're going to do this is if you're convinced, if you are assured that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who seek him and you probably, well, you will not experience the fullness of those rewards in this life. And that's what we saw last week with with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, is that they maintained faith to the end of their life even though they had lived their whole life without yet seeing the fullness of the fulfillment of God's promises in their life. So the question is, does your life display such courageous faith that it is better to obey God no matter what the cost. Does your life display such courageous faith that it is better to obey God no matter what the cost? We see the second courageous act in verse 24. It says in verse 24, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the reward. This is what comes next in Exodus chapter chapter 2. Moses is floating in the little ark in the river. Pharaoh's daughter comes up and says, I'm going to take this child. I'm going to adopt this child. So she adopts the child. She looks around. She sees this Hebrew girl says, Hey, go find me a, a, a mother to nurse this child. So well, who does she go get? She gets Moses' mom, as the Lord would have it. And so Moses' mom is raising Moses in the home of Pharaoh. You can't stop God. You can't keep God from doing what he's going to do. And so they are honored, their obedience is honored, and God is faithful, and God does an amazing work of providence in their life. And so now Moses is growing up in the house of Pharaoh. You know what that looks like because you've seen it on TV. He had people fanning him. He had people feeding him grapes. He drank wine out of gold goblets. He had the life of luxury. He had cool clothes, probably a cool headgear. I mean this guy had everything. He had power, he had prestige. He had all the luxuries of life. He and he didn't do anything to do it. He just God just gave it to him. And he's just sitting there enjoying it. But what we can't see is there's a wrestling in his soul. We can tell from scriptures there's a wrestling in his soul. His mom probably told him the stories of God's amazing grace and providence in his life, that God preserved your life, son, for a reason. God has great plans for you, son. And so what does he do? He starts to stir, man. These are my brothers. They're being persecuted. How can I sit here and enjoy what otherwise was not sin, but how can I sit and enjoy these blessings at, and stay silent about my brothers. You see, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the fruits of his labor. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the position that God placed him in. He didn't have any, anything to say about that. He can't help where he was born and, and to what family he was born to or adopted into. It's not wrong to be blessed with those riches. But when God tells him, you need to speak up, now we're at a crossroads. Now he's in a position of saying, do I obey God? Because if I do, I'm going to lose everything. Don't you know there was some negotiating going on involved in his head? Probably even with his mom. Mom, I think I need to stand up for the Hebrew brothers. Oh, wait a minute. Can't you do more with the power and the prestige that you have in here? Can't you do more if you stay quiet? Son, think long and hard about this. People he's trusting might have even been saying, Hey, wait, think, think long and hard about this decision. Because if they know that you know, that they know that you know, you know, it's over. So he's at a crossroads. And we see what he did in Exodus 2, 11 through 14. Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up, that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brothers. So he looked that way, this way, and that. And when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. It just came bubbling out. Then he went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews... We're fighting each other. And I'm sure he's thinking, I'm finally going to embrace the Hebrews. They're going to embrace me. Two Hebrews are fighting each other. And he says, why are you striking your companion? Don't you know? He's just thinking, man, guys, I've been longing to, to embrace you. Why would you fight each other? And they said, who made you prince or judge over us? Are you intending to kill us just like you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid. And he said, surely the matter has become known. So obviously by this time, Moses knew he had to do something. I don't think it was God's will for him to kill him. But I think clearly time for him to to step up for his brothers came. As a result, he flees to Midian and he was stripped of everything. All the power, all the prestige, everything, the luxury lifestyle, he had to step out. Let me ask you something. It's going to take a stretch of your imagination. Imagine if we all were people living in an upper-income portion of Shreveport that is upper income of the rest of the world. I know it takes a lot of imagination. And imagine we're living this luxurious lifestyle. It's not your fault you were born to the family you were born into. It's nothing wrong with having the, the wealth that God has placed in your life and you're living the life that God has given you and you're doing the best you can and everything seems to be fine until one day there's just this little unrest in your heart that's causing you to not enjoy it so much. Maybe it's an area of your life that you feel like, you know, this maybe this is a little extravagant. Or maybe it's, that group of friends that you've walked with and, and, and you've had many years of enjoyment together, but, but, but you feel that sense that's happened two or three times that at the end of the dinner after everyone's had one or two or three opportunities to relax and the, the conversation starts to turn to some things that the next day you're like, you know, I just don't feel good about where those conversations went. And you seem to be the only one thinking it. But whatever it is, there's some unrest in your heart that's making what otherwise was nothing wrong. But the Lord is saying something to you. And you know, if I, if I change, if I do something, if I say something, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay a high price here. I'm gonna, it's going to cost me something. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be weird. And so you're at a crossroads. You know, that's a lot of words to describe something that we, we tell kids. It's called peer pressure. We call it something different for adults. But it's the same thing. It's coming to the point where you realize, for me to obey God, it's going to cost me something. I'm going to lose the, the fleeting pleasures, which now... Would be considered sin. Because God has convicted me. I need to make some changes. That's where Moses got in his life. Is he going to. Step out. And take a step of faith. Knowing it's going to cost him. A lot of personal. Personal pleasure. In order for any of us to obey to the point. Of great personal cost. Great personal sacrifice. We've got to believe that what God said is true, that He is faithful, that He will honor His promises, or we won't put our life in His hands. In verse twenty-six it says that Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater than the riches, than, than the riches or the treasures of Egypt. This is the writer of Hebrews looking, past, looking back through the lens of Christ and looking at Moses' life and saying, he took God at his word and he knew it was worth it. Do you consider the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt? Or do you consider the reproach of Christ greater than the comfort of, Of a friendship. Do you consider the reproach of Christ greater than the luxurious lifestyle God has given you? It requires us to be like Moses says looking to a future reward, knowing that the reward's not meant for this lifetime. If we think this life is where we get our rewards, then we cling to it with all of our might. But if we understand that this life is not where we're going to experience the fullness of our reward, that it is later when he comes back or when we transition to be with him, that's when the reward comes. If our eyes are looking at this life as the the end, then we will never get in the chair. We will never let go of the resources. We will never risk anything. You know, sometimes we look at people and we say, how could they do that? I want to say, wait a minute. If you don't believe the word of God, if you don't believe God and you don't believe Jesus, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you live that way? In fact, I would live a whole lot worse than them. I would do whatever it takes to get what I can right now if this is all there is. But if you believe God is real and his word is true, you're going to look radically different than that. You're going to be willing to risk now. You're going to be willing to sacrifice now. You're going to be willing to take steps that people say, that is stupid. But that's what happens when God is real and alive and makes a difference in your life. I don't know about you, but I find it painful to examine, as I did this week, my own life for instances where I have chosen to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin rather than align myself with the people of God. How many times have we chosen to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin rather than align ourselves With the people and the will of God. So Moses' parents disobeyed the king. Moses refused to be called an Egyptian any longer. Finally, in verse 27, Moses leads the Exodus. It says in verse 27 By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover. And the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians when they attempted it were drowned. This is the Exodus event taken as one big lump sum in the verses In these verses, the Hebrew writer traces the time where Moses came and said, Pharaoh, let my people go. The Lord says, let them go. And he says, no. And so he says, fine, God's going to send plagues. So plague after plague after plague was sent until finally the last plague was that God said, all the firstborn will die. Imagine going to Pharaoh. You grew up in that household. You've been run off to the desert for 40 years. You come back and you stand before him and you say, God told me something. He says, you got to be kidding me. God said, let him go. Okay, sure. I'm going to let him go and I'm going to let him kill you. God said, let him go. He had to believe that what God had said was true. To come and stand before Pharaoh and think he's going to live to tell about it. Why didn't God, why didn't Pharaoh kill him right then and there? At the end of the plagues, the last plague, Pharaoh comes to his people, excuse me, Moses comes to his own people and says, listen guys, there's an angel of death coming and all the firstborn are going to die, but God's told me something, Take the blood of an animal and spread it on the doorpost. What? Don't you know they're just going, this dude's lost it. What are you talking about? Spread the blood of an animal over the doorpost. Just do it. God said it. I trust God. Do what he said. And don't you see the beautiful picture of the gospel in this narrative? Death is coming But those who believe God's word about the blood of the lamb will act in obedience and they are spared, they are saved from death. He had to believe this to teach this to his people. And so then the last act, this plague, finally, Pharaoh's had enough. He says, get out of here. Take your people and get out of here. And so Moses says, come on, we're going. He's at the top of the mountain. Come on, I told you God's faithful. They're celebrating, they're partying, they're heading out. And then it's like, row, row. The sea is there. The Egyptians are coming. We're trapped. God, what do we do? Step on in, brother. Do what? Step in to the sea. I got this. So Moses tells the people, let's go. God has said, take a step. They do. The waters part. They cross on dry land. The Egyptians chase them. The waters come back down. You can't stop God. He's got this. God is faithful once again. Plagues, Passover. Walking across the Red Sea. Sometimes following God by eyes of faith, it just doesn't make sense. Now, it says that Moses endured all of this as seeing him who is unseen. That as is very important. He didn't say, the writer of Hebrews didn't say, Moses saw God, that's why he was able to do it. You hadn't seen God, don't hold yourself to this standard. Wrong. Moses endured as if he had seen God. Because he saw him with eyes of faith. He knew he was real, he knew he was there, he knew he was faithful, he knew that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who follow him. That's how he did it. That's the kind of faith it takes for Brian and Katie Pinson to say we're going to adopt a child that we know the Lord has called us to adopt though that child has tremendous medical issues. That's the kind of faith it took for the Lewises to say, Mom, Dad... We're going to South Sudan, and not just for a week. We're moving, and we're taking your grandkids with us. I'm sorry, but you know if the only logical thing for a grandparent to say is, that's not safe for your kids. But they got to the point where they said, this is what God wants us to do, and we want to do it. That's the kind of faith it takes. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, I'm no Moses. God has not called me to do something crazy like that. I don't need courageous acts of faith. Au contraire, mon frere. Just read your Bible. Here are some things God has absolutely, definitely called you, not him, not her, you, to do. Forgive your enemies. Love those who persecute you and pray for them. Some of you, he has said, get married. And to all of you who he said, get married, he said, stay married. Some of you, He has said, I know it's hard for you to afford diapers right now, but I've told you to be very generous people. Don't get revenge. I'm working with my 12 year old daughter right now. It's time for baptism. That takes courageous faith to be baptized. Rejoice when you are persecuted. The Lord has told you to do this. Rejoice when you are persecuted. Give sacrificially and generously. Not if you have the money, but be generous, sacrificial people. If you see a brother committing sin, say something. You think that doesn't take courage? If you have a church, don't let your people live like fools. Get involved in their life. You think that doesn't take courage? The Bible is full of commands like, tell your father about Jesus. Tell your friends about Jesus. The problem is not that you haven't been called to do something that requires courageous faith. All of us have been called to obey the black and white letters written in the word of God and it requires us to believe God is real and he is a rewarder of those who walk with him and what he said is true and he is faithful. Some of us In particular, are called to do things that we all agree are just amazing like Moses. All of us have been called to walk in obedience with the Lord. And if you're going to step out and obey, you got to believe that he's real and he's a rewarder of those who walk with him. I don't know what the Lord has told you in particular, certainly he's told you what we've just just a few examples of the scriptures but maybe some of you have a particular area that the lord has said I want you to make a change I want you to do this I want you to take this step of faith I pray today the lord is magnified and so big and so powerful and so beautiful and so faithful and so strong and so good that you'll say all right Let's do this, because God is faithful. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the word that that reveals how faithful and true and good you are, and that calls us to trust in you to follow you, to first of all trust Jesus and the blood of Jesus to forgive us of our sins and to make us righteous. And then it calls us into a life of obedience which will look courageous because it's a life of living by faith and not by sight. So Lord, call us this morning. Convict hearts all across the room. Let none of us hide behind the excuse, oh, I haven't been called to do some dramatic step of faith. Instead, let us all say, yes, Lord, there's plenty of things in the scriptures that I need faith, I need courage to obey. Let us believe what we see in the scriptures, that there is no greater place to be than walking with you even if it means costing us a lot of our earthly pleasures. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church, located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, Please visit us online at noseverychurch